But I actually think is the key to, and the secret is they're so close as a team that they all want to lift each other up. I, don't, I never have issues on the mats with ego. Everyone's just there to get better. And, and it's really proving the, the results now. The guys are self-motivated. I don't need to beg them to come into the gym. They're there. They want to be there and they want to be the best and they're prepared to put the work in. And, and it's showing, you know, like there, there's no secret. It's hard work. It's good quality coaching and it's teamwork. Ladies and gentlemen. Hi, everybody. Good evening. Are you ready? Keep this frequency clear. I know you're going to dig this. Oh, yeah. Okay, here we go. Check, check it out. You're listening to the Martial Arts Media Podcast, where you, the martial arts school owner, gets insider tips and secrets from leading experts to help you build a more profitable martial arts business. Now, here's your host, the founder of martialartsmedia.com, George Faree. This podcast episode is the audio version from a video that was published on martialartsmedia.com. For the full episode, to download the transcript and get all the show notes, head over to martialartsmedia.com. Enjoy. Hey, Georgia, welcome to the Martial Arts Media Podcast. So I've got a repeat guest today, Ben Vickers from Eternal MMA and Scrappy MMA. How are you doing today, Ben? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm enjoying the sunshine in the backyard. So, uh, happy days. Well, last time we spoke, we were grabbing a coffee. But um, last time we spoke on the podcast, uh, Podcast 87, uh, we sp- spoke about eternal MMA. You would, you just got a, a deal with the UFC, UFC Fight Pass to have all your shows and everything featured. And I was at – actually, I just bought a ticket yesterday to eternal good MMA. Man. Yeah. So, um, Ben and the team run an epic – show uh eternal mma a real top quality production great fighters kind of see now you know how you've got to deal with it with the ufc but um wanted to bring you on to chat about the the new development that's happened and i guess i could just leave it to you before i maybe go down the wrong path with it but um yeah so how things evolved with the ufc from the last time we spoke um it's like anything in business, really. I'm learning. Like I, I'm a self-confessed accidental businessman. You know, like I, I had a passion for martial arts. I competed, and then just natural progression. I ended up owning a an academy, uh, coaching fighters, and then running an MMA event. So, um, so yeah, I kind of happened upon this business world. But um, as as I am noticing now. It takes time to establish these these business relationships and stuff. Um, so we're, I guess, for the last since 2019, uh, when we did the October Melbourne event, um, Eternal 48, our debut on on Fight Pass, we've done 14 shows with the UFC. We have regular communication with them. We have a monthly call with them where they fill us in on what they need from us, what they want from us, um, how we're doing, and we're doing very well. We're um, one of the strongest events on, on the platform. We get great viewership all across the world, which is a testament to the matchmaking uh, because we, we show in a very bad time zone for the US. We, our shows go live sort of 4 and 7 a.m. Eastern West Coast. Sorry, that was the wrong way around. So it's normally um, 4 in, on the West Coast and, and 7 a.m. Right. In, in the East Coast. 
Um, so it's not a great viewership time for the US market, but we seem to be attracting attention there, which must state state that we're doing something right and people enjoy the entertainment that they're um, the Eternals providing. You know, we've got a big viewership in Europe now. Uh, um, we're the second highest performing uh, platform on um, show outside of the UFC in Europe, sort of a non-European show, should I say. So, so yeah, everything's going really well and, and we're really happy with our partnership. Um, we've got another deal locked in for next year uh, and we're in the process of signing another TV deal with another massive sports company, uh, one of the probably the four foremost sports platform in the world. So, yeah, things are looking good for Eternal. Great. Well, congrats, I'd say, first, first and foremost. Does it conflict with the – so you, you mentioned you got moving – well, you signed the, the additional deal. How does that work with the UFC? Does there – are there any – you know, do the contra contracts conflict in any way or they do, do they complement each other? Uh, they definitely complement each other. I mean, the, the company that we're going to work with works closely with the UFC as well. That's how we've been able to do the deal. So, um, you know, the deal's not signed yet, so I won't say too much about it, but um, yeah. it's in the latter stages of, of getting signed. Uh, but, yeah, there is synergy there. And, and what's been really nice for our partnership with the UFC is they've actually um, – gone outside of scope a couple of times and, and sort of waived the exclusivity cause on a, on a couple of things for us, which is kind of unheard of in the, in the market, especially with the UFC being such a juggernaut. They don't normally do that. So uh, they, they genuinely believe in, in the, the term partnership, you know, the in-business partnership teamwork gets thrown around all the time by people that want things off you. But the, the UFC sort of really seemed to be like living up to that, which is, which is great to see, um, I think in business these days, a lot of people promise you a lot of things. And, and from my experience, um, they very, people very rarely deliver. And, and that's at the core of my business values is delivering on, on what I say I'm going to deliver on. And I expect the same thing from people that, that I'm going to work with and partner with. Uh, so it's really nice to see that such a big company has the same respect for, for us. And, um, and it's a two-way street, which is probably the first time in my experience, that that's ever happened. So. Yeah, that's great to hear. They, they definitely walk the talk. I mean, if you if you look at all the reporters and all the the media, the negative press they get from obviously people trying to chip at the you know the biggest yeah. player and to you know, critiquing critiquing how they pay their play uh, you know pay for their their fighters. Yeah, I, I mean, you see a lot of negativity come around, and it's good to hear from someone that's actually in the trenches working with them on how the partnership is complementing your your business yeah. and the direction where you guys go. Yeah, I don't think you can be as successful as they are without being good at what you do. And, and um, you know, you're going to moan about fighter pay and stuff like this. But if you look at what the UFC has done for the sport, I mean, I'm probably not sat here if they haven't made the sport as big as what it is because there's that flow down effect and they're putting the sport in front of everybody's eyes which is filling my gym, which is inspiring people to want to take up martial arts, which is inspiring people to want to come and watch local MMA and, and see. And now we've created this pathway. We've had a couple of fighters go from eternal champion into the UFC. So now we're creating a pathway where people go, well, hang on, if I fight in eternal and I become the champ, there's a chance I can go and fulfill my dreams and the UFC might pick me up. So um, it's nice to have created that, that pathway for Australia, for Australian martial artists and, 
hopefully we can start hammering a few more people into the UFC and and really get um, Australian MMA. Although it's pretty well on the map, I mean, I think we can. I think the standard of martial arts and MMA in particular is super high in this country right now, and there's a lot of talent out there. So hopefully we can get that to the big show. Yeah, so so let's talk about that and your your most recent trip. Uh, I mean, one thing I noticed at, at Eternal MMA, which is what I didn't know, is you have a bench of really strong fighters. I mean, all the guys from from Scrappy MMA that were part of the event were yeah, just really really good to watch. So you've definitely developed a great um, a great team uh, of of fighters yourself. So what do you count that for? Is it just, you know, experience or is it also painting this pathway and, and your team being able to more see, you know, what is actually possible in the sport? I, for me, I believe the see, I don't think I'm a necessarily a great coach. I think I know what I know and I know how to put that across. I have a collaborative coaching style. I have a lot of very experienced, very talented fighters. We work together. So their input is taken on board by me. We'll often sit and talk about positions or things that happen in fights and brainstorm it with all the brains that are around, come to the best solution, practice that, make that part of the game, and, and then move on to the next position that we want to um, discuss. So that's a big part of it is the collaborative coaching effort. It's not a dictatorship. The, the guys don't turn up and go, right, you're doing this, this, and this, and this. We sort of get our minds together. There's a lot of, there's many years of experience on my mats now, like, I have a, a hugely experienced team of high-level guys, so I tap into their knowledge base as much as possible. But what I actually think is the key to, and the secret is they're so close as a team that they all want to lift each other up. I, don't, I never have issues on the mats with ego. Everyone's just there to get better, and, and it's really proving the, the results now. The guys are self-motivated. I don't need to beg them to come into the gym. They're there. They want to be there, and they want to be the best. And they're prepared to put the work in and and it's showing you know like there, there's no secret it's hard work it's good quality coaching and it's teamwork yeah that's awesome what, that's my that's my key love it so i don't know how much you can talk about your recent trip um up to the states so we um jack della who if any of you don't know who jack della madalena is he's been australian champion uh, on Eternal since 2016. Uh, he's got a really interesting story. He started his pro career 0-2, uh, losing his first two fights. And then we had a conversation after that. And I basically said, you're too good to be 0-2. Let's set the goal that we're going to reach. We're going to get 10 straight wins. We're going to move to 10-2. and And we're going to laugh about this period in time in a few years' time. So Jack went 9-2. and two. I don't know if you were there for that one where he knocked out um, Olden Bates in spectacular fashion at the HPF Stadium for 72 seconds, avenging his first pro MMA loss. And that was his last fight regionally. And since then, um, Dana White's Contender Series in the UFC came in and gave Jack a match um, on week three of this, this season's Dana White Contender Series. So if you go on UFC Fight Pass... Uh, Dana White Contender Series Season 5, Week 3. Jack's on there. Um, he fought an incredibly talented fighter out of uh, Sanford MMA, which is home to Gilbert Burns, Michael Chandler, Kamara Usman used to train there. Uh, a bunch of high-level guys down there. And and we went from little old Perth and, and we cut the head off the juggernaut and 
Jack sort of demolished this guy. It was a three-round fight, and, and the guy hung in there, but he got his ass kicked for pretty much 90% of the fight. And, you know, he, Jack had Dana on his feet at the end of the fight and, and a round of applause. It, basically, Dana White Contender Series is a trial. Right. So if you win your fight and he's impressed with you, he's going to sign you to the UFC. So Jack was awarded the contract that night, and we are now we now have a matchup for early Jan in the UFC for to, for Jack to make his UFC debut. So it's been an epic, epic few weeks. I've done two weeks in the states, which was great, and then um, I've subsequently completed a month. Well, almost completed. Today is my last day of uh, my month quarantine back here in. <laughs> Great. So, I mean, congrats uh, to, to both of you and for, yeah, really putting, I guess, Perth on the map officially as a, having a fighter in the, in the, in the UFC as well. So, yeah. so how, how does that go from, from here for you? Yeah, the, the fights, the travels, the, 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 the whole agreement. Yeah, like, so Jack, Jack signed a four-fight deal with the UFC. Okay. So, um, you know, those deals are very one-sided so that if, if Jack had one fight and the UFC decided they didn't want him anymore, they would cut him and, you know, but he is tied in for the four. So it's very biased towards the company. Um, however, we know that. You know that when you get involved. And, um, it's your foot in yeah, the door. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, foot through the door. And, it, you know, if Jack goes out and does what he's capable of doing, then, you know, his contract will improve quickly and, you know, for us, it's never been about cash. It's always been about being the best in the world. And I firmly believe that Jack Della Maddalena is going to win the World to Weight Championship in the UFC. So that is the goal now. That is the new goal is to hit the rankings first, get top 15, and then push towards the title. Uh, with the traveling stuff, I mean, most of the fight is going to be stateside, uh, at least for the foreseeable future. So I guess it just depends on what happens in the world and where we're at come January as to how much of a ordeal it's going to be or or whether it's going to be it would be really nice to just have fly out there do what we need to do and then come home and just slot back into normal life but I understand that's probably not going to be the case Jan maybe later on in the year but as long as we can get out there we can have the fight we'll, we'll worry about the rest of the stuff so I have to ask um, for anyone in the world listening that's not familiar with how Australia works, but, you know, in Perth, we're pretty free in our state, but we can't actually leave. You can't come in and you can't leave. So, uh, beg the question, how the hell did you get out? <laughs> getting out was actually easy. You get, um, we got the sporting exemption. Um, the UFC is obviously a very powerful um, entity, so they have lawyers and, and they can make these things happen seems very strange to me that sports and celebrities are, get the, the free will to travel where there's people that, you know, have domestic problems. And it doesn't sit very well with me, but I wasn't going to turn it down out of yeah. principle. You know, it, at the end of the day, we were granted the exemptions to leave. So, so we left. The, the problems were when we came back to Australia. Getting out was fairly easy. It was, yeah, one, once we touched back down on, on Australian shores, it was a bit more complicated. In which way? Um, no one knows what's going on. No one knows what the rules are. And this is entirely not the people on the ground's fault. It's obviously there's a lack of direction from the top level feeding down to the employees who are, who are enforcing this stuff. So, you know, you get told 10 different things about the same question from 
from five different people. Um, everyone's a bit confused as to what the rules are, what the rules aren't. So we did the two weeks hotel quarantine, which was expected. Uh, we kind of knew that that was on the cards. They lock you in a twin bedroom with with an ensuite for two weeks with no opening windows. And it's a little bit inhumane to me. Like why you can't have a window uh, and no fresh air for two weeks. And, and the room we were in, unfortunately, got no sunlight because it, it was on a curve. Like the building was curved and the sun never hit our side of the curve. So um, no sunlight, fresh air for two weeks was, was interesting. But we kind of prepared ourselves for that. And then, and then getting back to Perth, that's another problem all in itself. Through um, New South Wales, especially, is viewed as Chernobyl in, in this country at the moment. So, uh, but we managed to um, get our, our passes signed off to come back home to, to Perth, which was great. I mean, it's kind of a weird conversation to be having with someone to ask if you can come home. <laughs> but uh, we were eventually allowed home, and I'm just completing my two weeks home quarantine. So it'll be a six week trip for a 15 minute flight, which is. <laughs> of effort yeah so that begs the question right because I mean if that's going to be the norm how do you do that do you relocate you know do you, does Jack relocate or like how do you um, no I think I think and I could be being overly optimistic but I think that this is about to come to an end in some way shape or form like um, the vaccine numbers are creeping up towards where the government wants them to be. International travel is about to start again. They're talking about home isolation as opposed to hotel isolation. So I think it's going to improve. Um, but I'm very committed to Jack and the sport. And, yeah. um, and Jack, I believe if, if I didn't believe so strongly in Jack, it might be a different story. But I firmly believe that he's going to be a world champ and, and I'm prepared to do what, whatever I have to do to to help him make make that happen. And he's the same way. So, you know, if we have to sit for a month in, in quarantine after every fight for the foreseeable future, if it gets us to the goal, I mean, then that's what we'll do. I'm lucky that I've got such a good team at the gym and I've got a business partner in Eternal that they can, well, everything I can't do remotely, they can look after. So I don't stress about businesses and stuff while I'm away. And I just get the, the freedom to focus 100% on on what we're doing so that's epic how do you feel about this whole situation now that you've traveled you know like the the way we we are handling the COVID situation versus internationally and and there's there's two sides of this right because uh for most australians we feel like i think in perth people feel pretty cool about everything because we just got we got freedom until you try and leave right yeah um and then queensland pretty much the same but yeah, for most of us, we don't want to be in New South Wales and and Victoria right now. I think vaccinated New South Wales isn't a bad place to be. I think they've just let all the the clean people out, and the dirty, unvaccinated people must stay indoors for another couple of months, which is crazy. Um, yeah, I, I'm look. It's probably not the best conversation for me to have. I have pretty strong views on it, and they might not fit everyone else's. Um, you know, I'm I'm not an anti this or anti that. I'm a pro doing what you feel is right for you personally. Yeah. So if if vaccines your method and and your coping mechanism, I support you 100. percent If it isn't, I also support you 100. percent Just do what you feel is right for you. And yeah, I, 
I'm blown away having been to America, which was supposed to be like this hotbed of COVID and, and people are just cracking on and living a normal life over there. I feel like it's been badly handled, if I'm honest. We had to jump on everybody else. We had hindsight. We had time to look at what was happening in the rest of the world. We used our geographical position as a safety net without any real thought to strategy or long-term strategy. We were just gloating to the rest of the world how good we had it over here in Australia. And now we're the worst in the world. So to me, that's poor leadership. I feel like forcing people to do things they don't want to do medically is a very slippery slope. But I have no choice in, in the matter, really. At the end of the day, um, comply or live a second-rate life. Yeah. You know, that you, your options have become very limited. So it's a bit unfortunate this happened. And two years ago, we'd be sitting here having this conversation. And, and if we started bringing into to the conversation like you must have a vaccine or you won't be allowed to do this that and the other we'd have thought we were both gone completely mad two years ago <laughs> so it's funny how quickly it's changed and essentially in in two years 50 percent of the world is now vaccinated against this this which is it's crazy but that's where we're at so we just got to make the most of it and, and do the best we can navigate our way through this minefield and, and try and um, get out of it the other side as safely and healthily as possible. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What's next on the cards for for you guys? Just with um, with everything that's going on, is there is there a different structure in in the team and how you are doing it? Especially, you know, with the focus having a fighter at that level, does the team adjust with uh, training schedules to support, or is it just uh, business as usual? It's business as usual. Like Jack's part of the team and. When it's his turn to fight, we'll focus on him, um, you know, for the six weeks prior to his fight exclusively, probably. He's on a slightly different time schedule to the rest of the boys. But I've got boys fighting in two weeks. I've got, um, while I was in the States, Jack Becker went away and, and won the Australian title in, in the Gold Coast. He went on his own with Dumb and Dumber from the gym to corner him, you know, and that's the confidence he had in his own skills. He didn't need his coach. He, he was happy to go over there and, and beat an undefeated dude, knock him out in the first round and take his title. So I've got him fighting November, uh, which will be probably the last fighter I have out this year. And then all the focus will switch to Jack's training camp. He's got a, a UFC fight in Jan. So, no, we crack on as normal. And I'm hoping that um, Jack Becker, if he defends his title, he might follow Jack Stella's footsteps, you know, next year into the international scene. He's definitely ready to go. Um, and I've got a bunch of boys just chomping at the bit to, to get out there. So we'll all train together. The team mentality stays. Jack's not a big-time guy. He's humble. He'll be in the gym as normal, like nothing's changed. No, we just crack on. Uh, as far as Eternal's concerned, again, it's just business as usual. It's been challenging these last two years, I said, I'd say now, trying to get these shows across the line. and You know, it's cost a lot of money to travel people around for no reason. It's been been umpteen challenges, but Eternal has grown and, and gone from strength to strength as well during the pandemic. So um, all these challenges just, just help you get better at doing what you do. You know? And um, yeah, we think on our feet now. So when something comes up, I've, we've always got contingency plans in place. We know so-and-so might not get here. So who's going to fill in and have we got the people on the back burner? And you know, sometimes we might give you a little retainer to stay ready for, 
just in case. And you know, we're, we're sort of uh, trying to future proof the business as best as possible and, and get as many good fights on as we can and, and keep doing what we're doing. You're definitely doing that. Um, on the contingency type plans, I was curious, you know, like, what is the plan when you have the, the show scheduled for X date and government decides, hang on, we got a case and we're shutting the city down, which happens. What yeah, is the plan? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what is the plan? Is it just shift to the next weekend or how do the venues compensate and, and work with you in that situation? <laughs> the venues don't really compensate. <laughs> uh, no one, everyone's sort of covering their own ass, if you like, um, at the moment. So, yeah, we, we, what we'll do is we'll, we'll pencil dates in the distance. So, say, the Perth was an, an example around February, our February show. Perth went into lockdown, and it came out of lockdown the day the show was supposed to take place. So I moved the show 16 hours, um, and I did it on the Sunday. So it's just little things like that. Once, the boy, when, once it gets cancelled that late... Boys are already cutting weight and stuff like that. So we want to try and keep it as close to the original date as possible so right. as not to mess around with the guy's health too much. So it's always that's always my main concern is making these fights happen as close to the original date as possible. But the last Gold Coast show was postponed numerous times. I think we had that it went on the third date that we, we planned it. Wow. So it's just having the dates in the diary, speaking with venues and and venues understand the scenario, so they let you multiple pencil. And you know, if people are canceling their events, and you can slot in, then then we'll do that. And it's just yeah, just being reactive, really. I mean, it's a very tricky space at the moment. Imagine I've got a show on October the thirtieth, but if we have a lockdown on October the 29th, there's not much I can do about that. Everything's in motion. Everything's paid for. Everything like it's uh, that's a tough one. But that's where insurance yeah. comes. In. And there are grants available from the government. They're hard to get and they take a while. But if you qualify, which we haven't managed to receive one yet, then they'll compensate you for cancelled events and stuff like that. So gotcha. You've got to keep working. You know, it's like anything. You want the result you want at the end. you just got to put your nose to the grindstone and, and make it happen. That's all, all it is, is the, the extreme desire to make these events happen. It'd be easy to go fuck it i'm not doing anything for three months until this shit comes. but you could be waiting three years exactly so you might yeah. just try and, and we haven't we fulfilled our contracts every year with our broadcast contracts the year the main covid year and then this year as well we will fulfill our broadcast contracts which is our which is what you know like i said at the start we promised we would deliver that and, and it's important to us to I'm sure the UFC would understand if we didn't, given the circumstances, but it's never really been an option for me. Yeah. I love that attitude. It's it's like survival of the fittest has taken on a new meaning. Like, you just you just get it done. And, uh, I mean, I speak to a lot of school owners, and it's always frustrating when people have chosen uh, – you know, I don't want to pick at anyone, but chosen the backseat, you know, chosen to – it's kind of my – it's it's okay because I it's it's okay to not follow through and not succeed because X Y and Z. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's not easy. It's complicated. It's definitely not easy. It's not definitely not simple. If you can navigate through this and and manage to put all these different contingency plans in place with everything that you do, I think 
you know, when, when everything's over and done and a bit more normal, whatever that is, you'll just yeah. operate at a whole another level. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I always said to Cam, who's my, my eternal business partner, I always said, if we position ourselves right and we play this right, um, we'll be in a very strong position at the end of this pandemic. And it, it's just uh, literally is a can-do mentality. Like, whatever it takes to get the job done and then having the support of commissions and, and people, and years building up these relationships, they, they come to fruition when, when, you know, when you need something from people and, and you've been consistent in your behaviors and your delivery over the years, um, people are much more willing to, to help you out. Yeah. Um, so it, it's been a big collaborative effort from everyone involved, and, and I appreciate that. You know, it, it is easy to go out, you know, let's just leave it. That's too difficult. Put it in the too hard basket and, and yeah. move on. But, but that's not how I operate. I, I like working under difficult circumstances. I like pressure. I like, I'm, that's where I want to be. Do you feel it kind of fires you up in a way? I just like being in the thick of it. I don't like dull. Like for me, like quarantine is the worst thing that could ever happen to me. Because I like being amongst it. You know? Yeah. I like shit to be happening all the time. Like that's just how I like to do. Love it. Yeah. Hey, uh, Ben, it's great catching up. For anyone listening, the, it's, it's kind of, and I, I did chat about it the last podcast episode, but it's actually funny how we, how we met because our daughters go to the same daycare. Um, yeah. Yeah. And growing I was just, up, yeah, growing up. And, uh, oh, sorry, you've got a son as well that's growing yeah, up. My, that's yeah. now in the same daycare. And yeah. I was just wearing the UFC shirt the one day and Ben came in and it was like, Hey, UFC, and I could just, I looked at Ben as like, yeah, he trains. And yeah. that was the conversation. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so I, I don't, I bump into Ben every so often just at the daycare and we have a bit of a rant or uh, bump into his wife or at the local uh, coffee shop. Alex Jr. Alex Jr. coffee in Perth. There we go. Yeah. yeah. What is the full story behind the Dadbury? So, and for anyone listening, that's you know, obviously we're using terms here that's completely. Not, you know, if you're not in Perth, okay. it sounds strange, but Padbury is a suburb. Go for it, yeah. sorry. Padbury is where we live. It was the idea of, of one of the local dads that um, we should have a community of uh, people. And what Dadbury does is gets the dads together for one, but the, the, they've actually now got government grant and government funding. And what they do is they help people out in the suburb. So say... You might be a single mom and your, your garden's got away from you. They'll, the boys will come around on a Saturday. They'll dig your garden out. They've got a bobcat and, they, and they'll – or your roof's falling in and you can't afford – so they're helping the local community, raising money for kids that are sick, you know, cleaning the school grounds up, like all kinds of stuff. It's just like a community. or And anyone can sort of message the page who lives in, in Padbury or, you know, even – I'm assuming, I don't know, sort of the runnings of – but, it, you know, if you were the next suburb over, but you'd been from it, you know, it's just a community of, of dads that have different skill sets that my only skill set is I can rock up sometimes and lift some stuff and, and move some stuff around and um, be a bit of morale, make people laugh by falling over and being clumsy. And, but, yeah, it's just a great group of people. And I kind of have a little routine. The coffee shop, they built a coffee shop here and it's become like the hub of the community. Um, so, after I drop the kids off in the morning to go to school, before I head down on the freeway to work, I'll drop in, I'll get my coffee, I spend 10 minutes talking to the lads, whoever's around. We've just It's a really nice suburb to live in. Like yeah. Everyone sort of knows everyone, everyone's out for everyone. And 
being from London, I never really had that. Everyone's too busy. Everyone's doing their own thing. No one's really interested in, in what their neighbor. I didn't know the name of my neighbors. And they lived above me and beside me um, directly. So, yeah, it's really nice to, to walk around the suburb with the kids and the kids play with other people's kids. You can sit and have a coffee. and, and uh, It's a nice thing. It's, community is very important to me. And my gym's a community that I have. And, and now I have another community where I live. So I'm in a pretty good position for support. In quarantine, the lads come and drop coffee off at the doorstep for me. Like, wow. It's been amazing. <laughs> they, they made sure to, to, you know, when they saw Nat while I was away, make sure she didn't need anything. It's just nice to know that someone's got your back while, yeah. while you're away. Obviously, with traveling, it's going to become a bit more frequent for me now. It's nice to know that we live in a nice place where people are looking out. And, uh, I think if there could be more of that in society, then I think we'd all be in a much better spot. Yeah, definitely. And I, I've got to admit, it's, um, and I'm, I'm kind of sad I discovered that part before I moved in. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm 10, 15 minutes away, but whenever we drop our daughter off, that's like the first spot I go for coffee. Yeah. And it's just got a great vibe to it. And it, it is kind of rare. It's the first, first little hub that I've found in Perth that is very, very close and very, yeah, it's, it's just got a different vibe to it. And that is, that is rare in, in most most places first time in my life i found it like obviously i was a soldier so I, I was very transient so i never really had a home base and i never really had friends loads of friends that are, or a group or a community where i lived it was more like at work and then when i went home on leave i'd meet up with the other soldiers and you wouldn't really fraternize with your local community so it's really nice for me and it's probably the first time ever that i've had this sort of community vibe as an adult and and I, I think it's a great way to live because if you you know sometimes you feel shit and and there's a bloke down the, there you can just talk to he doesn't really know that much about you so it's quite an open sort of you don't really yeah, yeah so it's nice just to be able to get things off your chest chat and um just have a laugh and some banter and push through the day but everyone knows that there's someone there if they need a shoulder to cry on or they've got some issues then and there's plenty of lads there to, to have a chat. So I think it's important for men. Men don't yeah. talk enough. You know, I've had some mental health struggles uh, um, in the last 18 months. And the support of, of those communities that I have around me has been instrumental in getting through that and coming out the other side in a good spot. So find a community, whatever it is, join a club. Like, I think men are terrible for just bottling everything up and drinking their way out of problems. And, and just, you know, before you know it, bang there's an explosion there yeah um, so yeah uh very very true i can i can vouch for that um and i think coming from a culture south african culture which is can be perceived as very stubborn and uh, very hard in in mindset just because of circumstances of, of where you're from but uh it's a, a lot of pride that goes into opening up and you know you always got to be always got to show up be cool be 100 percent can't, uh... I mean, I think it's been great that Tyson Fury has come to for so so heavily. I mean, for me, he's he's the greatest boxer of my generation, um, definitely the greatest heavyweight of, of my generation. And, and what a human being! Like, I've never really met anyone that doesn't like him. You know, he's been to the bottom. He's the baddest man on the planet, and he wanted to top himself. You know? And here he is, a week removed from one of the most amazing boxing fights you'll ever see, and he's flying. But he's a good advocate for like, he's the baddest man on the planet, right? But yeah. he's able to stand there and go, yeah, I have mental issues and, and I need to deal with it. Um, so 
to have more advocates like that is fantastic and it doesn't make you weak it does, uh, there's this stupid stigma to ask men have that that we're weak if we have a problem you know I, mean? I was the worst for it i wouldn't tell anyone anything yeah but there, there's a there's a reality check coming at some point in your life and you won't it, it might it, it chooses the right time to come for you to work through it so it happened to me at 40 it might happen to you at 50 it might happen to you at 60 but at some point if you don't start getting rid of some of these demons or some of these problems or some of these issues they're going to compound and, and there's going to be an explosion and, and there might be some collateral damage. So yeah. sooner or later, um, get it off your chest, find someone that you can confide in. And I think it's really important to do that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Hey, Ben, next time I'll hit you up for some coffee and uh, next time we chat yeah, on the show, I think we'll start talking about world champions. How about that? Sounds or good. earlier. Give me or a earlier. When was the last one? A couple of years ago. I was I was looking this morning. So it's episode number eighty-seven. Uh, for anyone who wants to listen, uh, two thousand and nineteen. Yeah, yeah two thousand nine. Yeah. yeah, I reckon if we circle back in a couple of years, we'll be knocking on the door. Right, we'll call this we'll call this the Ben uh, Ben and George show, episode two of twenty. Yeah, there we go. It'll it, be slow. It'll it be slow paced. We'll, you know, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll do it, it. We'll there, right? once a year, once every couple of years. But uh, yeah, we'll just we'll just document I'll, the journey. I'll get, I'll and, get Jack uh, to jump on the next maybe. Yeah, sounds good. We'd, we'd love to chat to him as well. Perfect. All right, mate. Good. Thanks for the time. Good to catch up and um, uh, all the best for the last few days of quarantine. Enjoy the sun and uh, yeah, you'll be back on it next week. Cheers, mate. Speak soon. Cheers. Awesome. Thanks for listening. If you want to connect with other top smart martial arts school owners and have a chat about marketing, lead generation, what's working now, and or just have a, a gentle rant about things that are happening in the industry, then I want to invite you to join our Facebook group. It's a private Facebook group and in there I share a lot of extra videos and downloads and worksheets, things that are working for us when we work, help school owners grow and share a couple of video interviews and a bunch of cool extra resources. So uh, it's called the Martial Arts Media Community, and an easy way to access it is if you just go to the domain name martialartsmedia.group. So martialartsmedia.group, G-R-O-U-P. There's no .com or anything, martialartsmedia.group. That will take you straight there. Uh, Request to join, and I will accept your invitation. Thanks. I'll speak to you on the next episode. Cheers. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening. If you need help building your martial arts school, check out martialartsmedia.com.